All right, uh, we're going to get started, and Pam, you're probably going to get some text messages. Facebook won't let me on, so they can go to Vimeo or their church website and, and watch it there. So if some of those folks from Tennessee or whatever. so that, Thank you, Jimmy. Amen. All right, let's pray and we'll get rolling. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you for this technology, Father, that we believe you've blessed us with, us with Lord, to be able to utilize to to get your word out to people, Lord, who uh, live uh, halfway around the world. So I just thank you for, Lord, just your anointing upon it all tonight. And let it be used for your glory. I pray, Father, that you would help us bring our hearts to attention now and receive your truth in our inward parts, Lord, that things that would transform us from the inside out, Father, and help us, Lord, to live and, and understand and see, uh, Lord, the life that you have created us to live. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, so uh, tonight is uh, class uh, number 28. And um, we have been uh, in our study on uh, spirit, soul, and body. And uh, I'll put the drawing up just uh, again to, uh, to quickly review. Um, we said that you are a three-part being, a spirit, a soul, and a body. But more accurately, um, you are a spirit. That's the real you. You possess a soul. That's your mind, emotions, and will, or the part of you that thinks and feels and makes choices and then all of that is inside of a body, also referred to in Scripture as your flesh, your outward man, and your flesh is where your five senses um, reside. So um, when we uh, uh, talk about God and this word zoe, it's speaking of the life and nature of God, and that's really important. We'll get to some more of that tonight. Uh, pneuma, suche, and soma are the Greek words used for spirit, soul, and body, so among other things, that lets us know that the spirit and the soul are not the same thing, but they're actually two separate things. And, um, and then bios, that word up there, is referring to the biological life that resides within the body. In John the 10th chapter, Jesus said to a group of people who are biologically alive, I've come to give you life. If you take that word life back to the original language, he said, I've come to give you zoe. I've come to give you the life and nature of God. Okay? And that's really important the more we start you know, diving into what salvation is, what it means to be born again or to get saved or to re receive salvation, um, we're going to see that this is uh, you know, referring to um, the, the restoration of the life and, and nature of God. Um, a few verses, and I'm just going to leave that up there. Um, I think we were here uh, uh, last week, um, and uh, that is, uh, you know, I keep, I'm drawn back and forth to this one. Turn to 3 John, 3 John 2. If you haven't turned there, have we turned there yet? I don't know if we've turned there yet or not, but that's a, that's a really important verse that you need to take note of in your, in, your, in your Bibles. Almost the book of Revelation. So 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and 3rd John is only one chapter long. So uh, if people say 3rd John verse 2, it's because there's only one chapter. 3rd John chapter 1 verse 2 or just 3rd John verse 2. Um, now, while you're turning there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just briefly review something that we looked at towards the end of our last class. And that is, because the spirit and the soul are not the same thing, and now that we're understanding that, we're in a better position to understand what the Bible teaches us about both of these, our spirit and our soul. And so, when the Bible speaks of the saving of the soul, um, he, he's, it's not talking about getting born again. It's talking about this ongoing work of salvation where the, the restoring, the renewing, the reconditioning um, of the mind, right? And um, so when he says 
that our body belongs to God if, we, if we've been bought with a price and our spirit belongs to God, but this part of us is the part, although it's not us, it's the part that uniquely belongs to you. Amen. And this is the part that we give Him every moment of every day. Jesus talked in John 15 about abiding in Him, which means to live in life union with Him. And so the idea behind that is, you know, this is, this is where we, we you know, are, are setting our minds on Him, we're, we're, we're including Him. I love Proverbs 3, we're acknowledging Him in all of our ways. Notice, do you acknowledge with the Spirit? Do you acknowledge with the body? No, you acknowledge with the mind. You acknowledge with the mind. So even when the, we looked at a verse this morning in class about our affections, the affections of the heart, and, and so again, this is talking about the things that we set our minds upon. Um, so this is, this is the part that, that you uh, have been given. Obviously, God gave you a soul, amen? But it's the part that, that you give back to Him. We, we, it's similar. I don't want to confuse you, but just hear me now. This keeps jumping up in my spirit. It's similar to the tithe which is also similar to the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, God, God didn't tell them, don't eat of that tree. He said, you can eat of every tree but that tree. Right? And so it's kind of like if, if, if some of you in here, here have small children, if you've ever like given them something to give to you for your birthday, given them something to give to you for Christmas, or you gave them money to go buy you a gift, right? So when God created all those trees, He gave Adam and Eve every tree in that garden, but there was one, and that one became the one that God said was His, so it became what they gave to God by not eating from it themselves. Let's say it, let's say it worked out differently. Let's say that initially God said, every tree is here is yours, you have them all. Then, you know, after six or eight months, God comes down and says, man, Adam, I'd really like to have one of these trees. And Adam would be like, you know, chow down on something. It's like, man, God, you, you gave them all to me. Pick you out two or three if you want them, right? But that's not how it went down, did it? God said, every one of them's yours, but that one, that one's mine. And that's what the tithe is. 10% of your increase, God says, listen, I'm, I've blessed you with the ability to earn 100% of that money, but 10% of it belongs to me, and if you spend it on yourself, you're, you're robbing it. You're stealing from me. Okay? Because so now, now this becomes what we give back to Him. So your spirit is His, and your body is His, but your soul is that part now that we surrender to Him, that we give to Him. The, the more you include Him in your thoughts the more you're going to include Him practically and effectively in your life. Okay? And, the, and let me say this, the more you include the things of this world and the things of the enemy in your life, the more you're going to include the things of this world and the things of this enemy practically and effectively in your life. So we've said it so many times, but we'll say it again. It's, it's the valve. It's, it's that which the life and nature of God passes through into our physical life reality. Okay? Now, we also, I know you're still in 3 John 2, but I just... In Hebrews, I don't think we ever got to the end of this verse. And so I'm just going to, you stay 3 John 2, but I'm in Hebrews 13, so just let me read this to you, okay? Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your spirit. No, no, no. Your body. No, no, no. Whoever said it over here. They watch out for your souls. Amen. They watch out for your souls. People that Father God has gifted you with to lead you and to serve and lead you in the body of Christ. Um, I'm not responsible for your spirit. That's, that belongs to God. When I say I'm not responsible for it, I, I'm, if you're not born again, I'm here to help you get born again. Okay? But remember, this is discipleship counselor training class, right? We're talking about discipleship now. And, wh and what I'm really here to help you with, if you're not born again, then let's get born again. right? But what I'm really here to help you with is this part of you. I'm here to help you with your thinking. And if you'll let me help you with your thinking, if you'll let, let me, again, my prayer is, Father God, 
help me help you help them. If you'll let me help Father help you, right? <laughs> Amen. With your thinking, then uh, the emotional things in your life are, are going to, you're going to see a remarkable difference there because thinking is what drives emotions. All right? That's Hebrews 13 and 17. All right? But listen, I didn't, this, is, this is where we stopped last week. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. So I think this is interesting. Uh, before we started rolling the, the video and the recording, Sister Heather was asking about, you know, who's, who's good to listen to on Christian television, Christian radio, and, and, and how do we know that this is, you know, somebody that's really teaching us as they ought to teach us. This is where that whole thing comes into play. Amen. In other words, because I've been given an assignment to help watch for your soul, I will give an account for what I told you. I will, I will answer to God. As a matter of fact, James says it this way. I'll be held to a stricter judgment because I stood in front of you saying, this is what the Word says, this is what it means, this is what God, you know. And again, so that means I will give an account before God for what I'm doing right now. Are you understand? I take this very seriously, okay? So he says that they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. Let them do so with joy and not with grief that would be unprofitable for you, okay? Now, let me just go ahead and simply say, um, you guys are, 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 I get to do what I do with joy. I mean, you're a joy to teach. You, you come hungry, you come ready. I, after all, class meets 5 o'clock in the middle of the week. What's up with this? Two hours, you know? These are obviously people who are interested in learning and growing. And, and um, so again, it's a joy, it's a pleasure, okay? You, you pull truth out of me, amen, uh, by leaning into uh, the truth, but you know, not every everyone that Sister Pam and I, you know, have have tried to pastor over the years have let us do it with joy. I mean, it's a lot of people cause a lot of grief. Yeah, I mean, I'm not here to whine about any of that. Um, but again, that was not profitable for them. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? In other words, as long as I don't let it drag me down, um, I'm just going to keep on trucking. I'm just going to keep on enjoying God's highest and best in my life. But if if we don't allow those that God has has placed in our lives to help us the way God has put them in our lives to help us, it's ultimately going to be unprofitable. All right, now, I needed to say that that part got left out. Third John uh, 2, he says this, uh, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. I pray that you may prosper. And if you look at this word, this is not just speaking of financial prosperity, but it's not excluding financial prosperity. He, when he's talking about prosperity, he's talking about you prospering in every area of your life, including your finances, prospering in your relationships, prospering in your education, prospering in your parenting, prospering in your marriage, prospering socially, prospering emotionally, prospering mentally, right? So when, he, when he's talking about prosperity, He's, he's talking about not just barely getting by, not just surviving, but this, this is a thriving word. It's, 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 it's talking about us, us thriving in the, in the life that Father God created and intends for us to live. So again, he says, I pray. The King James Version says, I pray or wish above all things, above all things, that you may prosper and be in health. This health here is speaking of physical health. It's, it's talking about being, being healed, being strong, uh, being healthy uh, physically. Prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. Just as your soul 
prospers. All right? So this is, is not just teaching us something here. It's, it's, it's giving us some insight into, and I believe answers to why things are the way they are in our lives. Because what we've already established is that if you've been born again, God gave you a brand new spirit, and your brand new spirit and His spirit became one spirit. Okay? So watch me now. Me and God aren't, aren't you know, people say, man, me and, me and my friend are just like this. Well, listen, me and God aren't just like this. Me and Him are just like this. Right? We've become one. Right? And so everything that He is, everything that He has belongs to me. I'm His heir. I'm His joint heir. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I'm an heir of God. I'm a co-heir with Jesus. Meaning everything that's been given to Jesus has been given to me. That's why Jesus doesn't know when He's coming back to get us. Because if God the Father shared that information with Him, He would have to share it with all of us. Right? That's how serious God takes this. So the kingdom's in you. Life's in you. Freedom's in you. Power's in you. Wisdom's in you. I'm going to show you some of this here in just a moment. Right? But notice that this life and life force and the seed of God's life that came into us when we were born again, we're wanting this, this inward reality of, of new birth, of new life, to become an outward expression of life. In other words, what's true here right now because of what Jesus has done for you, for that to work its way into your outward existence, your outward expression of life. It's one thing to be made righteous here. It's another thing to live righteously here. Right? This is why the Bible says things like, let the poor man say I'm rich. Let the weak man say I'm strong. Right? Because what we're, what we're doing is we're agreeing with the strength and with the wealth, with the prosperity that has already been given to us, that's already ours. So again, we could be experiencing the physical conditions of, of poverty, of lack, of need, yet the, the Word says that you know, the blessing of the Lord upon your life has made you rich, and there's no sorrow to be added with that. All right. Now again, some of you I know have joined this late. Remember... Outward man's perishing, inward man's being renewed day by day. We're, we're rulers in life, right? But the heir, as long as he's a child, will live like a slave, though he be Lord of all. That's Galatians 4.1. So do you see how now we're carrying this to the next step, right? How can we be rich and poor at the same time? How can we be free and addicted at the same time? How can we be strong and weak at the same time? Are, are, are you, and we can just go on and on and on with this. Right? It's because what's... Remember, this arrow doesn't just denote connection. It denotes direction or flow. And so this, this life force flows into our spirit, but if our minds are not in alignment or agreement with it, it basically creates a dam through which the life and power and nature... And, and resources of God's kingdom are, are unable to flow through our lives into our outward reality. So do you see now why, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, do you see now why we need to have this thing taking place in our soul that the Bible calls the renewing or the reconditioning of the mind. Our minds have been conditioned by the life that we've lived in the flesh. Our minds have been conditioned to look at things a certain way, to, to, to look at things from a fleshly, worldly carnal, which means, again, physical, fleshly, perspective. But remember, that's not who you are. This is the real you. 
And so the more our minds line up with, let me say it another way, the more we see our being in light of this reality as opposed to this reality. By the way, this is an eternal reality. This is a temporary one. This one's in decline. This one's always increasing. So again, for the, for the inward reality of the new birth to become an outward expression of life. So all of these things that are within us. So now let's go back to the verse one more time. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper, that you experience prosperity in life, and that you be in health, that you experience physical divine health in, in, in your physical body, even as your soul prospers. Now remember, he's talking to born-again believers. So what's given here is this man or woman that this was originally written to, they, they're already born again. So now it becomes a matter of their soul. So do you understand when we say something in proportion? In proportion? In other words, the amount of prosperity and health that you experience and enjoy in your physical life reality, in your body, is in direct proportion to the health and prosperity of your soul. How healthy your soul is. How prosperous your soul is. This is why the devil tries so hard with unforgiveness and for us always being offended and, 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 and frustration and anger and, and uh, depression, anxiety, right? What? Touchy, right? Just sensitive. And, 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 right? See, all, all of these things are what? That's an unhealthy soul. That's an unhealthy soul. When we just dwell on negative, negativity, boy, we left that one out, right? The devil just wants to be so negative. It's a sickness of the soul. And, and if we're always you know, constantly being dominated by these negative emotions and allowing our heart to be troubled and, and stressed out and drama and anxious, all these other things, that's the enemy trying to shut the valve that is your soul completely off from the free flow of God's life and nature into your outward man. 1 Peter 2.24 says, By His stripes you were healed. By His stripes you were healed. Amen. Amen. How about this one? The Holy Spirit of God's inside of you right there pouring out the love of God. You say, man, I just can't love that person. <laughs> yes, you can. But notice, you've made a decision, you've made a choice based on emotions driven by thoughts and thinking. Dwelling on what they did to you, dwelling on what they said to you, blah, blah, blah. Yes? 1 Peter 2, 2.24 by his stripes you were, and as past tense they're not, will be, not are, but were. By his stripes you were healed. Alright? So, is this... This is obviously the part of you that's eternal. I'm not saying this part of you is not eternal, but I mean this is the real you. Okay? But this part has so much influence, so much you know, impact um, on the quality of life or lack thereof, that we're experiencing. Now, say that again now? Well, absolutely, because I know we've done this before, we'll do it again. If you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you'll follow after the things of the Spirit. But if you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you're going to follow after the things of the flesh. If you follow after the things of the flesh, you're going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Bible says if you follow after the things of the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the record, drug addiction is a lust of the flesh. All right. Now, overreading all of that, absolutely. Lots of different lusts of the flesh. Sexual things, all of that. Yes, my sister. And like you said this morning, like we, we experience a lot more things in our soul. Like. Yeah. 
Our, this part of us has experienced, at least some of us or a lot of us in here, this part is much more familiar with and has much more experiences in the things of the flesh. Less familiar, less, uh, less familiar with, less experiences uh, when it comes to the, uh, the things of the Spirit. Amen. But, but we're growing. That's it. That you want you to taste and see, right? That's what he says to us. Taste and see. Got to renew the mind. Got to set our minds. Like deliberately, intentionally set our minds. Yes, Brother Chad. Oh, brother, come on, man. Cry loud, brother. You're on it. I had somebody the other day, they said, well, you know, I'm just rough around the edges. And I was trying to be nice. I'm like, dude, you've been telling me for 10 years you're rough around the edges. You know I mean? At some point, at some point, we've got to start polishing. But if we're not careful even, and I appreciate what you're saying, we just use it as an excuse, right? Oh, that's just who I am, you know. And that's just how I was raised. How about this one? That's not my personality. <laughs> right? It's not, you know, a lot of people say that when it comes to worship, you know. Well, you know, it's not my personality to raise me. Well, you need to get over your personality, right? I just worship God in my own way. Who are you, right? God tells us how we should worship Him, right? Amen. Did I see another hand back here? Yes. Yeah, man. That's powerful, isn't it? That's powerful. Um, I, I always said, me and Pam always said, if we ever had twins, we were going to name them Jonathan and David. We had Jonathan Mark, our son. David never made it. But anyway, as far as we never had David. So, But um, my father's name's David, so those are family names for us. But again, just their, their, their hearts, you know, they, they just mentally, emotionally, um, there was such a strong and powerful connection there. Um, and, and it was a beautiful thing, obviously something that God, you know, used to, to prosper both of, those, both of those men. So, oh, absolutely. And, but with one exception, it's ultimately when a man or woman is married and um, we'll probably talk about this in greater detail later. But, you know, they enter into a, a, a covenant before God, and God makes them one spirit, okay? And then that, that unity is expressed outwardly through se- the sexual union. But the, again, the real health of the marriage is how much common thinking, how much can we, you know, work together emotionally, and, and then obviously can we make choices, you know, in... in, in you know, harmony and agreement with one another. Again, you know, the, God does this part, and usually folks have a hard time waiting for this part, right? But it's the long-term health of a marriage is, um, you know, that, that part. So Pam is not just, uh, you know, the, I, I'm not just one with her spiritually, and she's not just my lover, but we, we are very closely uh, knitted together uh, mentally, uh, emotionally. She, you know, she has a completely different take and approach on things than I do, right? And so it's not that, you know, she doesn't have a thought or an opinion or a mind, and I don't have one, but we've learned over the years, you know, we understand one another, um, even when, you know, we're not at our best, you know, we understand one another. And and, and so, yeah, it's great, great tie-in, great tie-in. Absolutely, absolutely. And and brothers, you know, it's it's what, you know, it's just how the Holy Spirit works, right? Um, It's that like precious faith, it's it's that common uh, unity. Amen. Amen. Yes. That's what happens whenever, when you're not married to a man or woman, mm-hmm. and you 
Yeah. You're trying to join something together that's not joined together. That God hadn't joined together. It's like, it's like taking a, a south end of a magnet and a south end of a magnet and trying to stick them together. Yeah, it, just. It don't work. Mm-mm. No. But you can't, you can't join, you can't be outside a covenant and ask God to bless something. It, it's not going to. So if we, if we go back through it, remember, we were created to live from the inside out, not the outside in. So when we go having sex first, that's an outside-in approach, right? And that affects us mentally, emotionally, and even in our ability to, to, to you know, make choices where that person is concerned in the future. Um, but it's all damaging and harmful because we're going the wrong direction, right? It's not outside-in, it's, it's inside-out. That's why this union, right, um, becomes, you know, uh, exemplified in that union. <coughs> Excuse me, we talked about this. The same is true with baptism, water baptism. Water baptism doesn't save you. I'm not trying to make you mad if you were raised to believe that. I can show it to you in the Scriptures. I'm not here to teach on that tonight. But see, spiritually, when you were born again, you were buried with Jesus and you were raised up within the newness of life. So in the same way that the spiritual union in marriage is then expressed outwardly through the physical union of, of, uh, of sexual intimacy, um, the uh, inward reality of being buried with Christ and raised up together with Him in newness of life is expressed outwardly in water baptism. In other words, I'm going under the water, symboli- symbolizing outwardly that I've been buried with Christ. I'm coming back up out of the grave, symbolizing that I've been raised up together with Him um, to newness of life. So, amen. Good comments. Yes? Okay, so it's a great question. I don't know if, you, if you're asking, he's saying what happens to the soul when, you know, you just have some kind of meltdown or some kind of issue or maybe the flesh and then the body dies. So the spirit and the soul are both immaterial. They're not physical materiality like we think of, you know, this being. So these parts of you are both eternal. This part of you came from the dust and returned to the dust, okay? So um, as far as what effect it has on the spirit, right? Um, in other words, it doesn't change or alter your spirit, because what God did in your spirit, He did, you know, based upon what Jesus completed for you already on the cross, and that's what we're going to be unfolding in the in the days ahead, the, the classes that are that are not hand going to get started on it tonight. So don't try to spend too much time there. Um, uh, you know, obviously, when we think certain ways and do certain things, the Bible talks about it grieving the Spirit of God that dwells in us, because again, remember, Father God is emotionally connected to you right who remembers this from this morning he's eternally committed emotionally connected enthusiastically concerned and so there are things in Romans 1 the word wrath there is it's not talking about a violent outburst of anger it's talking about a, a disappointment associated with a with grief right and so the idea behind that is that he desires more for us so you know there there are times where you know I have sensed in in my spirit um where I have grieved the Holy Spirit, and then there are also times I have sensed where other people, you know, have, have done things that I was, I felt Him grieved inside of me, you know, because of things that were said or, or, or what have you. Um, so, you know, other than, you know, those types of things, uh, it, I don't know if that answers your question or not, so, all right, okay, good things. All right, so, um, <clears throat> let's, uh, praise God. Um, now, let's, let's go back to something as well. Remember, we said that the spirit, soul, and body 
three yet one, were created in the image and likeness of a three yet one God. God said, let us make man in our image. All right? So they became, if you will, like a model for the three yet one man. Um, and when we talk in terms of you know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, as we've already uh, learned in previous classes, you know, they actually orbit around one another in glorifying love. The Bible says that they've always agreed. They've never had one moment of disagreement. There, there's never been one moment of rebellion amongst this Godhead, that is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so when He created man as spirit, soul, and body, He created us to operate and function in perfect harmony, in perfect agreement, in perfect synchronization. Again, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, their, for lack of a better word, their union, um, how they function, was the model for how we were to function as a spirit, soul, and a body. Remember, Adam didn't know he had a body until he sinned. That's how seamless all of this was. This is how, you know, how united all of this was. Remember, your, your mind and emotions were given to you by God to serve you, to bless you. Your flesh was, was created by God to serve the real you, which is the Spirit, the Spirit inside of you, the, and, and to be a blessing. Your, your emotions were never meant to rule you or to negatively dominate you. And your flesh was never meant to be in charge and to, and to rule you. All of these things are a result of the fall. All of these things, and I don't mean what happens in the, in the time of year when the leaves turn, okay? I'm talking about the fall of man. All of these things you know, were not in Adam initially. Okay, I've said it so many times, I'm going to say it again. We're like, how did they not know they had a body? And heaven's looking at most of the people on planet Earth and going, how do y'all not know you have a spirit? Right? We, we're so fleshly aware, we don't know we have a spirit. Right? They were so spiritually aware, they didn't know they had a body until they sinned. Okay? So here's a very important point. Sin brought death. Okay? Now, we often think of that Sin brought death to the triune man. Remember, in dying you shall surely die. So they died spiritually, but maintained a biological existence. I heard Brother Copeland say this. It, it took the devil 600 years to teach Adam how to die. And I think there's something to that, right? I think there's something to that, all right? Amen. You don't have to believe that to go to heaven, but amen, when you get there, you'll find out he was right. So anyway, um, so this was shut off. Remember, sin, death means separation. Death means separation. Spiritual death is what happened to Adam the moment he sinned. His spirit became separated, disconnected, like unplugged from a circuit. Became separated from God. He died spiritually instantly. Remember, your phone can die. That doesn't mean you don't have a phone anymore. Your radio can die. That doesn't mean you don't have a radio anymore. His spirit died. doesn't mean he didn't have a spirit anymore. It just wasn't connected, plugged into God. Spiritually dead. No more life flowing from God into his body. And it took his body a while to die. But in dying, you shall surely die. Okay? So, sin brought death to the triune man. But it also brought something else. 
It brought chaos to the triune man. Sin brought chaos to the triune man. When Adam sinned, he became fleshly aware, right? He became aware of his physical body. And his emotions and his thinking now has, has become confused. And what was operating, if, you, if I could say it this way, as a, as a well-oiled machine, sin threw a wrench into the mechanism. It threw a wrench into um, this well-oiled machine that was the triune man, and it brought chaos. Okay? Now, let me see if I can say it this way. <clears throat> okay, let me do a little review first. In the early days of these classes, and, and since as well, we have brought up this important word. It's the word enmity. Now, I know some of you joined the class, and I'm glad you have. So let me give you a brief understanding of what enmity is. E-N-M-I-T-Y. I'm not saying enemy. I'm saying enmity. E-N-M-I-T-Y. Okay? And basically, enmity is the opposite of harmony. Enmity is the opposite of harmony. Enmity can be anything from a simple difference of opinion, a, a simple disagreement, all the way to the other end of the spectrum, violent hatred. But at the end of the day, enmity is the opposite of harmony. The opposite of harmony. So, the first thing sin did is it caused enmity, in all caps in my notes, you do whatever you please, it caused enmity between God and man. It caused enmity between God and man. I don't know if I can do this on my iPad. I'm not going to try. I'll just, I'll just act it out. If, if you could imagine right here, you know, just a brick wall built. This, this life is flowing from God, but it's hitting a wall. In other words, it's, it can't make, the connection has been severed, and so the flow can't happen. Same if, as if you were to unplug something that's plugged in physically to the wall. Yes, my brother Matthew. Say that again now. Oh, absolutely. He knew that we were going to sin because the Bible says before He ever created mankind, He put uh, Jesus had already agreed to come and be the substitute and the sacrifice um, for our sins. And so I know we're, we're kind of digging into some you know, deeper things here that we will probably not get into as deeply as, as, as some would like as we progress through salvation and why it is and what it's all about, so forth and so on. But let me, if I could just just make this one comment. We were ultimately created in the image and likeness of God, look like God looks and function the way He functions because He wanted us to, to live as one with Him in fellowship with Him. Right? He created us just a little bit beneath Him. Um, the message translation says in Psalm, I think it's 82, that we we're so much like God we narrowly missed being God. Okay? I didn't ask for that. I know some people get really wigged out and you start talking about that. Oh, that's blasphemy. Oh, my mama told me about pastors like you. No, no, just read your Bible. I'm, I'm not making any of this up, okay? And I, it's not like I said, God, you either create me almost like you or you don't create me at all. He made all these decisions because of ultimately what he wanted uh, from a relationship slash fellowship with me, right? I can only have so much fellowship with my Yorkshire Terrier. And I, I enjoy a lot of fellowship with him, okay? But it's not on the same level as the fellowship I enjoy with, with my wife or with my son or with my, my, my children, my daughter, or my son. You understand what I'm saying? Um, because, again, we're not of the same species of, of, of being, of the same species of, of existence. And so God created us 
of the same species as himself because he wanted to have an eternal intimacy with us, an eternal fellowship with us. All right? Now, in order for that to be the case, there has to be a choice involved in that. Amen. If you put a gun to someone's head and say, do you love me? Well, how can you trust? What do you think they're going to tell you? They're more than likely going to tell you yes. But in order for it to be true love, it must be a choice. If there's no choice, then it's, it's all... That's why when we were talking about a sacred line God will not cross, when it comes to our soul, if our minds are ever going to change, we will have to cooperate with Him in the changing of them because He didn't create us to be mind-numbed, programmed robots that just walked around, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus. That's not what He created us to do, right? It's, it's, this is real. This is, this, is, this is very powerful. And so I understand, Matt, the question is like, well, what's all this whole thing about? Again, if you reverse engineer it, right, what began in the Garden of Eden ends at a wedding feast and we're the bride of Christ. We're about to become one with Him forever. Amen. And so this sliver of time that we call life on planet Earth, right, there will come a day when it will only be a faint and distant memory. I, mean, I know that we, you know, there are things that Pam will say, man, remember when the kids were? And I'm like, man, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that in a long time, right? What about a thousand years from now? What about 2,000 years from now? Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So, I mean, one of the things that we tell young people who sometimes sacrifice so much to be accepted at such a brief period of their, first of all, physical life in high school and all sort of stuff. You know, I've heard Pam tell so many young people over the years, right? These people, you're doing all this to please, right? You, you won't even see 99% of them once you, you know, walk across that stage and graduate, right? They're going to be such a small factor in the rest of your life. Don't let them ruin the rest of your life now, right, because of that. So in that same vein, you know, it's, it's this whole e eternal aspect that is a huge part of this. Yes, my brother Chance. See, that's like, why did he tell them not to eat that one tree? He said, you can have every tree here, right? Just don't eat that one. So it's like, why did he create somebody who's dying all stuff? It's like, Man, what about the opportunity he created us to have? Do you see what I'm saying? That, that to me, I guess, is how I look at it. I don't look at it as, why did he create people who are going to fail? Well, I mean, he could have just minded his own business for the rest of eternity and, and left. You see what I'm saying? I mean, literally, he, you realize he, I don't know. I mean, there's, I'm not trying to freak anyone out in here, but God is eternal. He is without beginning and without ending. I don't know exactly what point in time that he created us, but he, he exists outside of time. I mean, billions of years right before He decided to create us in His image and likeness. And He created us not so much that He was trying to get something from us, but because He is so full of love, He was willing to share Himself with us. Right? I mean, you know, when, when you, uh, you know, say you adopt a kitten, right? Or, or you, you adopt a puppy or, or whatever. Well, amen, obviously you receive some benefit but you also take on a tremendous amount of responsibility. Obviously, you know, my, son and, uh, my daughter and son-in-law just had a child. Wow, the responsibility, how their lives have changed. Okay, and, and there's no denying that. 
But there's also reward that comes with having a child. But when it comes to our Heavenly Father, it's not like He sat back and said, well, there's going to be uh, you know, a, a, a lot of heartache and pain, but you know, uh, there will also be some reward. And somehow He balanced all these two out. No, no. He created us because He wanted somebody else to be able to experience the love and the joy that, that, that He has. And so He created us and He gave us the opportunity. Gave us the opportunity. And so, I mean, I don't know if that answers your question. I mean, obviously, we, you know, we're talking about some heavy things here. Um, but, you know, again, um, wow, you know. And, uh, you know, I mean, listen, I, brothers, please, sisters, please hear me. We, we, have, we do not have the slightest comprehension of what awaits us beyond this life. And I'm not just talking about golden streets and gates carved from a single pearl. I'm talking about the universe. I'm talking about what God has prepared for those who love Him, right? Amen. I'm talking about planets, man. I'm talking about cities. I'm talking... Oh, praise God. Amen. All right. Praise God. Yes, Brother Chuck. Actually, time began when God said, let there be light. Let there be light. Okay? In the same way that you've now been born again in the second Adam or the last Adam and you, you will never die. Jesus said, those who believe in Me will never die. He's not, but remember, this is you. See, if you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, I can't tell you how many people over the years have come along and said, man, if we just get our faith up enough, we'll never die physically. No, no, the Bible says it's appointed unto man wants to die. They say, well, yeah, I did that when I asked Jesus in my heart. No, you didn't. And here's the one thing about every person that's come along and said, I have enough faith that I'm never going to die, right? Everyone I've known of right now has already died. Amen. So, but here's the thing. It's, it's back to that AM transistor radio, right? And this better than uh, hi-fi digital audio. When we step on the other side, we're going to wonder why in the world we ever wanted to live forever in this body. But Jesus said, if you believe in me, you will never die. And He fills my soul with laughter. I'm not going to die. One day when I'm finished and I'm satisfied and I've run the course that Father has set out for me, I will take this body off like I'm going to take this shirt off when I go home tonight. I'll take it off and I'll move out of my tent, which is this body, and I'll move into a glorified body that He has prepared for me already in heaven waiting on me. I'll step into that new body. And dude, I'm telling you right now, I am going to look some kind of good in that body. Amen? I can fly in that body. I can walk through walls in that body. I can eat cream-filled, chocolate-covered donuts in that body and not get fat. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to have some muscles in that body. I'm going to have muscles like Aaron over I'll give you another one that's even more bizarre than that. So y'all are, you've you got to quit right now because, amen, me and him's had too many conversations about these kind of things over the years, right? You realize if the devil had never been so foolish as to kill Jesus, he would still be alive on planet Earth right now? Yeah. Never sinned. He would have never died. He would have never died physically. Why did Lucifer, again, was an archangel, one of the three known archangels. Um, in, 
in the, in the Scriptures. And Lucifer rebelled against God because he refused to be a servant to us. Right? Because all, we're over all of the works of God's hands. And angels are works of God's hands. And all angels are created beings sent forth to serve the heirs of salvation. That's you and me. We're heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. The Bible says we'll judge angels one day. Now, again, I know some of you are here for all those classes and some of you, you know, not curious about it. I appreciate the questions, but, but amen. Where were y'all in all these classes, right? Was that class eight? All right, now see, listen, if we do this, we'll never finish, right? Amen. Isaiah 14, real quick, Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14. Now listen, I, I told a bunch of you when we started, I know some of you have joined later and I keep saying that, okay? But I told you when we started, right? I knew I was called to preach and teach before I turned five years old. And one of the ways I know that is because I did not want to do it. I wanted to be a medical doctor. I had no desire to preach and teach the, the, the Word. I surrendered. I got born again when I was five years old. I got filled with the Holy Spirit when I was 12 years old. I surrendered to God's call in my life and began to preach and teach at a very early age, okay? Now, I went into full-time ministry and full-time ministry, religious, traditional type ministry, it chewed this old boy up and spit him out, okay? So when I had uh, two, two small babies and, and a wife, and uh, we all of a sudden found ourselves, let's just say it this way, unemployed, amen? Uh, my wife was across the street helping me cook dinner for the church that night. When I walked across and told her that the pastor asked me if I would resign because he fired somebody before and he felt bad about it and didn't want me to... Didn't want me to, uh, didn't want to fire me, right? And so, uh, and she looked at me and she said, you know, like any wife with, uh, you know, two small babies, she says, what are we going to do? And I heard myself say, we're going to start a cabinet shop. Amen. Because I'll just be honest with you, this old boy was through with ministry. As far as I was concerned, I'd never teach or preach the Bible ever again. I was going to be a wealthy businessman. I was going to pay for missionaries to go preach Jesus to people who had never heard his name a single time. And when I stood before God one day, I was going to fall on his mercy for not doing what he called me on this earth to do. That was my plan. Now, again, you've got to make a plan when you're thinking straight. Should there come a day when you're not? And I'm not saying I was thinking straight, but I'm just telling you, that's where this old boy was. But here's the other place that I was. I wanted to know the truth. That's all I'm interested in. I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm, all I'm interested in is the truth, Okay. I heard everybody from the Baptist to the Methodist to the Church of God of Prophecy to the Church of God to the Assemblies of God to the Catholics to, you know, all these people. I loved them. I've ministered in their churches. I, I, I have brothers and sisters in those churches, you know, uh, in Christ. You know, they're my family. They're my brothers. And, you know, everybody always confused, arguing. I used to be a champion arguer. My God, I could argue the horns off a billy goat. I've memorized entire chapters of the Bible to argue with people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not proud of that. I'm just telling you. It wasn't about arguing anymore. It wasn't about proving anything to anybody. I wanted to know the truth so I could teach it to my children and that my children wouldn't be so screwed up like I was and not know, you know which end was up you know, throughout the early years and stages of their lives. That's my, that's my only agenda was I wanted to know the truth. And there was something about that, that rawness, I guess. The Lord started showing me the truth. He started showing me some things. He started showing me some things about salvation, some things about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, some things about faith and prosperity and our oneness with God, and who we really are in Christ. Amen. Now, this passage right here, 
in my humble opinion, is one of the more profound things, and it's one of the more extreme things that he's ever showed me. And, and I'll be honest with you, for a while I didn't teach this. You know, because I'm like, Father, I don't, I don't know what people are going to think about this, right? But if I could just offer you, again, uh, Keith Moore says it this way, if you can't say amen, will you say I'll think about it? Amen. So maybe after I'm done here in just a minute, you're going to have to say, I'll think about it, all right? But here we are, Isaiah 14, verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, <clears throat> you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart. So let's, this is what he said in his heart, okay? I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above. Does it say God? I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Stars in Scripture, stars in Scripture are symbolic of offspring. What he's literally saying here is, I will exalt my throne above the offspring of God. They say, oh, Pastor Mark, that's a little flimsy there. I mean, you're kind of hanging all this on some symbolic gesture. Are you sure? Well, if nothing else confirmed it, then I would not be sure enough maybe to preach it, but I would still be sure in my heart because I believe the Lord spoke this to me. But let's keep reading. He also said in his heart, I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. This is the place in heaven reserved for guess who? Us, Mount Zion on the farthest sides of the north, the city of the great king. Amen. All right. So now notice what he's saying. Not I will, but I will also. I will also. In other words, could I just, if I could, if, you don't, if, you're not, if you're just thinking about it, let's just think about this. He said it like this. If they're going to sit there, if the offspring of God, if your children are going to sit there, I'm going to sit there also. How about this? I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. He say God, he said clouds. I will be like the Most High. He wasn't like the Most High. But who is like the Most High? We were created in the image and likeness of God. So what did Lucifer say in his heart? Remember, we've got all of these eons of what we would call time on man's calendar that have passed. Where it's just God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I don't know at what point in all of this he created Lucifer, but Lucifer is a created being. At some point in time past, he created Lucifer. He's the most beautiful thing up until this point that he'd ever created. Lucifer literally had instruments built into his body. It's where we get this concept of someone having a set of pipes. We say somebody can really sing, man, she's got a set of pipes. Lucifer literally had a set of pipes. He had, he had like an organ built into his body. I'm not talking about a liver and a kidney. I'm talking about like, a, like an organ, like a, like a cathedral organ. And he was covered in precious jewels and stones. And the Bible says that he walked back and forth in front of the throne of God on top of the coals on the altar, the coals of fire on the altar before the throne of God. Lucifer walked in those coals and the glory that radiated from God, from the throne of God, hit all of those many facets on all of those many jewels. My friend, this earth can't make a mirror ball that would do what Lucifer did in glorifying and refracting and reflecting the glory of God. Notice now that people 
full of the devil. People under the influence of the devil. They will make a pit of coals. They will take their shoes off and they will walk barefooted on those coals. Hello, right? That is exactly what Lucifer used to do in heaven. And so everything was hunky-dory until he hears that God is about to do something unprecedented. He's going to create a new species of being that are going to be like God, that are being created by God to be one with God, to ascend above the heights of the clouds and sit on the throne with Jesus Himself. And Lucifer says, hold on a minute, God. I've served you all these years and I'll keep on serving you, but I'm not about to serve somebody created to be like you. If they're going to be like you, I'm going to be like you. If they're going to sit on Mount Zion, I'm going to sit on Mount Zion. If they're going to ascend and sit with you, I'm going to ascend and sit with you also. Jealousy. Just like Cain and Abel. Thank you. Somebody's picking up what I'm putting down right now. Amen. All right. Amen or I'll think about it. How about this? Verse 16. Verse 15. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble? who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of His prisoners. Can I give you the New Winslow International Translation? You mean that's all there is to that punk? When we finally see Him for who He is, He's not going to be this big giant boogeyman that He's tried to make everybody think He is. I have a vision of him. I'm not saying it came from God, but in my mind, I should say, I, I imagine him in the, bottle of, in the bottom of a 55-gallon drum shriveled up in a fetal position. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's coming a day when a big angel is going to grab him by his neck and put a chain on him and deal with him, right? I heard Keith Moore say this this week. You know how the devil likes to say, what are you going to do about that bill? What are you going to do about this problem? What are you going to do about that hurting foot? What are you going to, what are you going to, what are you going to, right? He said, why don't you turn and ask the devil, what are you going to do about that big angel in that chain? Right? Because anything we're dealing with right now in this life is only temporary. But that big angel in that chain, that's his eternal, that's his eternal punishment, right? Amen. It's that dude, right? Yeah. That's right. Devil! That big angel's coming for you and you know it. He knows it. He knows it. Hallelujah. Does that help, sister? Amen. All right. That's what you call a teaching fit. I sometimes a preaching fit. That uh, was a teaching fit. All right. Yes, my, yes, my darling. Revelation 13, 8, the Lamb of God slain. Thank you, sweetie. The Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world. So before the, for the foundations were ever put in place for this planet, Jesus had already agreed to die for us. And Matt, where's Matt? Anyway. Oops, sorry, he went to the restroom. No, we won't wait on him. All right. I think it has to do something like this, okay? Um, it's one thing for God to choose to create us in His image and His likeness. It's another thing altogether for us to volunteer to enter into oneness with Him for all of eternity. That has to be a choice. That has to be something that we say, you know what? 
I can do anything I want to do, but I, I'm, I'm going to do you. I'm, I'm, I can live for myself or I can live for you, and I think I'm going to live for you, Father. I, I, I can in, enjoy myself and, and, and call my own shots, or, or I can do what the Holy Spirit does to you and Jesus and what Jesus does to you and the Holy Spirit and what you do to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I can come into that dance that is the Trinity, and, and I can orbit around. See, listen, if, 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 you will, if you will orbit around God, your Father, He'll orbit around you. Amen. He didn't say, listen to me now, this is how much He loves you. He didn't say, hey, if you give me everything, I'll give you everything. No, no. He just gave you everything in, in hopes that you would respond by giving Him everything in return. He gave you His best. Inviting you, right? Calling you. To give your best to him. Yes, my brother. Out of Isaiah 14? Yeah, it's just, it's, he, he was referred to as that. Listen, he, he was, I don't, you know, I don't know if there's even, um, Hallelujah! How do I, there's some things that we're gonna we're gonna talk about when we get into the, the sacrifices and all that. And I learned this from I learned this from the Holy Spirit through Brother Joseph Prince, and he's another one that some people you know badmouth and, and you know God help them. But anyway, um, he always was curious as to why Jesus had to go pour his blood out in heaven. If you remember when he on Resurrection Sunday, um, Mary thought he was the gardener. And when, she, when he said her name, she went to grab him and hug him. He said, you can't touch me. I'm going to my father and your father. You know, go tell him. Because he had to go pour his blood out in heaven. You think, what in the world? You know, I mean, obviously go do it, but what? And Joseph Prince, and it bore witness with my spirit. See if it bears witness with yours. Joseph Prince said that he had to go purge the place where Satan used to stand, where Lucifer used to stand in heaven. Right. Amen. So, see, there's, he has no place. He has no standing there now. He used to could go and stand there and accuse us, right? But he can't. He doesn't have that place anymore. So, amen. Praise God. Yes, sir. So, I can only answer based on what the Bible reveals to us. And my brother, Matthew, plays the trumpet. Obviously, he's a musician. He said something at one point that, because we know there's different rankings of, of ministering spirits or angels. Um, it seems to me from Scripture that there's three divisions um, because there's three archangels. Lucifer, who was over the musicians. Um, Gabriel, who was over the messengers. And Michael, who was over the warriors. Okay. And when the Bible says when Lucifer fell, he took a third of the angels with him. Now, if, if I'm putting, if I'm, seeing connections where there's not, and that's why I'm telling you that the Bible doesn't specifically say this, but I don't think it's too far of a leap to think that the third of the angels who went with him were those who were assigned to him to help make music. We see that there are rankings in both angelic hosts and realms, and there are also rankings in the demonic, which are fallen angels, uh, hosts and realms, for instance, the Bible speaks of the prince of Greece being a demonic spirit, the prince of Persia, a demonic spirit, high-ranking demonic spirit over a certain geographical location. So exactly what all that looks like, 
you know, we don't know as far as outranking more power, less power, more ability, less ability. Again, I, we see that in other things God has created, right? A possum can't do what a, what a monkey can do, and a monkey can't do what a, um, a man can do. You, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, perhaps in, in the created beings that are angels, there's different capacities, abilities, equipped. I mean, some of you in here are equipped to sing. Some of you in here are equipped to paint. Some of you in here are equipped to do administrative work. So it makes sense to me that angels would also be, you know, equipped in different ways as well. But here, is, here was my brother's theory. This is opinion, but it, it bears witness. It touches something in me, right? Is that Lucifer was created in a unique way since he led the band and music that, that worship, there has to be an element of, of, of will or choice um, in order for him, which gave him then the ability or the capacity to you see what I'm saying again that's not Bible I can't show you that in scriptures but yeah and so and so when we say heart remember heart is like the inward part you know it did it, it's not I'm not saying he never said out of his mouth um, I'll be like the most high but before it ever came out of his mouth he was saying it inwardly so don't let don't let heart throw you too much there it's just basically talking about what he said inwardly in himself, right? Because this, this is, and if you think about it, we, you, you, I'm not here to give him any credit for anything, but if you learn him and you learn his tactics, how he operated against and used other, he doesn't have any new tricks, right? And notice he wanted Eve to look at the fruit in a way she'd never looked at it, begin to think about it in a way she'd never thought about it, begin to see it in a way she'd never seen it, begin to talk about it in a way she'd never talked about it, then she began to eat it like she'd never eaten it, right? And that was what happened to him, though, see? He began to meditate on that, stew on that. Oh, man, I've served God. He's going to promote them. You know, I've walked on these coals of fire 24 hours. You know, and he kept saying it over and over until it gave way to, right, that, that enticement, you know, inwardly, ultimately gave way to outward action. <laughs> too, too bad he didn't have one, right? Yes, Tammy. Pride every time. Every single time. And somebody said jealousy. You said, well, I thought it was jealousy, Pastor Mark. I thought we just changed that. No, it was his pride that led to the jealousy, right? It, it, his pride gave birth to that. You know. That's it. Remember, he came to the Garden of Eden. So here's the last part of this, and this is the part that I, that I, I didn't follow through on. Some of you heard me say this before. Some of you heard me say it many times before. So when he was ejected from heaven, he landed on this earth more determined than ever to exalt his throne over you and make you his slave. Just because he couldn't do it in heaven, exalt his throne over the offspring of God, he's still trying to do it here on this earth. He's trying to manipulate things, circumstances, situations, plants, rotten barley, you know, fermented juice, right? All these things that he's using now from this earth to manipulate and entice and provoke your flesh to make you his slave. 
to, to, to rule over you. He's just as determined to do it tonight as he was the day he first rebelled against God and spoke it out of his mouth in heaven. And so we've got to understand it. I used to have preachers tell me all the time, devil's mad at you, devil hates you, devil kill you if he could. And I'm, just, I'm a little kid, I'm like, what did I ever do to him? You know, it, it has nothing to do with what I've done to him. It, it has to do with who God created me to be, his pride and his jealousy over that. But also, now, the threat that we all are to him as well. Yes, Jerry. Come on, brother. Amen. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, right? This is another quote from my dear brother Matthew. He said, the devil only knows how to do two things, make music and tell lies. Make music and tell lies, right? It does, doesn't it? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Will you go sell with Mama Pam? No, I'm kidding. Amen. I'm going to give you a chance to say the last one. Or you can listen to worship music. And want to go raise the dead. Amen. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> All right, now listen, this is not class 28. This one don't count, okay, because we ain't done class 28 tonight. I'm just telling you straight up, okay? <laughs> Amen. So that's going to be May 15th, sister. No, I'm just kidding. All right, praise God. Are y'all getting anything out of this? I know it's kind of, amen. All right. Okay, amen. He's not your friend. He is not your friend. He comes as an angel of light. He can quote Scripture better than most people that have ever lived on planet Earth. He knows how to twist Scripture. He knows how to deceive you. You are no match for Him in your own intellect, in your own reason, in your own flesh, in your own ability. He will stomp you and beat you every time. But if you get in the Spirit, and if you get in faith, amen, He is no match for you. He will literally run from you in terror. He's counting on you responding to the way things look, seem, and feel. He's counting on you responding to every offense, every time somebody looks at you wrong, or you think they looked at you wrong, right? He's counting on you getting all emotional, irritated, and agitated. That's the only way. It's his only hope of containing the threat that you are to him and his entire kingdom of darkness. Now I heard somebody else trying to say something that I got a little passionate about right there. Go ahead, Kim. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, if you do the math, it's two to one. 
But what we do know about angels is that they can't procreate. In other words, two angels can't have an angel baby. Okay? But God can create. The devil can't create anything. He's not a creator. God's a creator. And so the Bible says that, that every child has an angel. So I believe that God continues to create angels for us. But if He never created another one, for every angel that is a holy angel, there's two holy angels for every fallen angel. And what you've got to understand about this now, when Lucifer fell, he was stripped. He, he, he was defrocked. He, he was, like if he had all these, like a, back to the military example, if he had all of these combat medals and all that stuff, they were ripped off of him. Those things on his shoulders were ripped off of him. You see what I'm saying? And, and when he landed on this earth, he landed literally nothing but a mere shell of himself. He never was God. He never was all-powerful. He never was all-knowing, okay? But in his, in his best day, right, he wasn't that. And he's not in his best day today, okay? Amen. All right, did I see another hand back here? Obviously, I think that's what happened to him. It's a great point. Oh, yeah, isn't that, like I said, when people see him, when we all see him, we're going to go, oh, come on, God, that's, surely that's... He's the one who shook nations. Listen to what he said in Isaiah. He's the one who wouldn't let us go. He was the one that held us enslaved. It wasn't him, right? It wasn't him at all. I'm telling you, we're going to talk about some stuff in the main service tonight. No, I'm not preaching it now, but let me just say this, okay? The Lord spoke something to me a few weeks ago. We mentioned it last Tuesday night. I mean, last Wednesday night. Um, even a tornado. A tornado is not the power of the devil. The tornado is a result of a world that was created with perfect weather patterns. Sin brought a curse to this planet. And, and what, created, what God created perfect now is broken. The Bible makes it very clear. Uh, the message translation in Psalm 82 says the world is coming unglued. And what we saw in Lee County a couple of weeks ago, right? That's the world coming unglued. That's not the power of the devil. It's what God created perfect and beautiful that sin has cursed and corrupted. But the Bible says there's coming a day when there will be no more curse. But as born-again believers now, we can overcome this world by faith. We can rise above. Amen. Amen. All right. One of, one of my heroes in the faith, uh, he's with Jesus now, uh, Pastor J.R. Carmichael. He, uh, he believed in me when, when uh, not a lot of folks outside of my family did. Let me preach in his pulpit, encouraged me, loved me. This man fought in World War II and, um, in the Navy. And he boldly declared, standing on the Word of God, that not a single sailor on his ship would be lost. They took two direct hits from kamikaze pilots and no sailor lost his life. And he would stand there in that, in that gun tower shooting down those Japanese airplanes praying at the top of his lungs and tongues. Right? Amen. That's J.R. Carmichael. <clears throat> Amen. Thank you, Father. Our faith will fail us not and not a single one of us will be lost. Amen. 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 
I say it this way. Why did, why did Adam eat when Eve did? Why did he partake? I say it this way. I, I believe that, that Adam's sin was actually a more grievous sin than Eve's. First of all, Adam failed in the sense that he never taught Eve who she was. He taught her the rules. We'll get into this later. She knew the rules, but, but he made the classic error that many pastors make today. They teach their congregations the commandments, but they never teach them who they are in Christ. They never, te never teach them their identity. And so the devil tried to trick her on the rules, and she knew the rules. Boy, she could quote them and spout them and know, and if we do it, this is what will happen to us. We'll go straight to hell. That's not what she said. That's what we say. We'll die, right? And um, so he said, no, no, no. See, if you eat it, you'll be like God. Well, see, she was already like God, but she evidently didn't know that. Okay? Because now she viewed this, he's playing on her maternal instincts because the heart of a mother is that she wants better things for a family. Okay? So this is, what, this is how I like to say it, okay? And I'm not just buttering up to these ladies and my wife's in the room, okay? Here is the difference between um, Eve's sin and Adam's sin. Eve chose the fruit over God, and I believe she did that ignorantly, okay? Adam chose Eve over God, and he did that willingly. Right? And men have been doing it ever since. They've been choosing women over God ever since, right? And ladies, I'm just telling you now, you, you, you need to take it easy on us because you have no idea. You have no idea. Um, maybe some of you do, right? You have no idea um, the power that God gave you over us, okay? Um, uh, John Eldridge says it this way, right? That the, that the female form is, is more than a man can bear. And, and, and again, it, it has to do with our flesh and the way God created us. And, um, and so he knew that she ate it, and he knew what God said. And so that meant she was fixed to go somewhere that he wasn't going. And she's, he's like, you know, it's kind of like, honey, if, we, you know, if you're going to die, I'm dying with you. you know? <laughs> We're in this thing together, baby. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and uh, so <laughs> help us Jesus, right? <laughs> help us Jesus. See, I got a view y'all don't have. Everybody has an expression on their face, but the expression on the men's face is different than the expressions on the women's face on here behind y'all, right? Amen. Don't be looking, guys. Amen. All right. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Question it, right? If you be, if you be, if you. He began all these things with if. Wanting Jesus to, you know. But Jesus knew who he was. He'd already found himself in the Scriptures. What Wasn't fooled by all of that. Amen. Here's my simple prayer. Here's my simple prayer. If you're having half as much fun as I'm having right now, you're having a good time, right? This is, amen. You know that the, the, the prophet Malachi revealed to us from God that when a group of people get together and talk about Father and His Word, that, that Father records it in a book of remembrance. Now, we're recording this, you know, on you know, SD card and, and video and all that other stuff. But there's also a... a a recording of this. I believe there's a stenographer, if that's the right way you say that word, right, in heaven that, that has written every word that's been spoken in, in this room tonight. That's how precious, you know, these things are. We talk about the joys of salvation. I hope some of you are realizing that we're, we're kind of in the middle of some of those right now. Um, is the Holy Spirit's in this room. And um, there's no judgment here, right? People can ask questions without feeling like they're asking dumb questions. There's no dumb questions, right? Um, we're learning. We're, we're, we're growing. And, and the Holy Spirit's here. I believe He's teaching us. That's, that's what I, I feel in my spirit. Praise God. All right, let me, let's, hey amen. I'm not even really sure how we got here, but it was a fun trip. Um, I, just a few, a few minutes, um, if I could, uh, tonight. Praise God, really about 10 or less.
Um, so sin brought death and chaos to the triune man. And sin caused enmity between God and man. Right? Enmity separated. So this free flow of God's life. But now watch this very carefully because this is really important. The same sin that caused enmity, all caps, between God and man also caused enmity within man. Within us. Okay? Within us. Sin caused enmity between God and man, and that same sin caused enmity within man. Inside of us. Somewhere I've got a... Amen. I don't know if I need to try to find it. or just keep trucking here. Maybe it's this one. I think it is this one. I'm going to draw it for you. Okay? So, we've got the enmity that came between our spirit and God's spirit. Separated us, right? Sin separates. That's enmity. God said, don't eat the tree. And Adam and Eve said, I think we will. Okay? They disagreed. Best advice we could ever give anybody, agree with God and agree with Him quickly. Okay? So they disagreed. That disagreement, enmity, sin. Sin brought that enmity, and it, so it separated man and God by bringing enmity between God and man. Okay? It's like this <clears throat> plexiglass uh, pulpit is between me and you. In other words, it's, it's, it's separating us. Now, obviously, I could walk around it, but let's just say that in order for it to no longer s- separate us, it had to be removed. Because that's the case, right? Jesus removed this enmity by His blood sacrifice for our sin. He removed the enmity by removing and paying the penalty for the sin. Not just the sin you committed up at the time you were saved, but for all sin for all time. One sacrifice for all sin for all time. I'm going to show you all this. So He removed this enmity. Poof! You, you call on the name of the Lord, that enmity is gone. Between us and God, okay? Dusty's ahead of me. It didn't just cause enmity between us and God. It also brought enmity in us. Now our spirit and our flesh are at odds with one another. They used to work like that fine oil machine we talked about. Now our flesh is thinking He's going to rule over us. And there's a reason for that. When our spirit died, the only life in the being with the spirit dead is the bios. And the bios is in the flesh... Pardon the gambling expression, which meant the flesh held all the cards. It goes something like this. To your mind and emotions, your flesh ruling over says, if I don't get another drink, I will die. And your mind says, we don't need another drink, dude. We'll lose this job. And your flesh says, if we don't get another drink, we'll die. And your mind says, okay, I'll help you. Your mind knows you don't need to be doing that, but your mind at the same time knowing you don't need to be doing that also knows that since this dude's dead, if that dude dies, he's going down. So he, over time, listen to me, I got all this in my notes, but I'm just, I'm on a roll right now. your, Your soul becomes a willing accomplice. It goes from a, 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 a voice of reason. This is crazy. What are you doing, man? If you, you know, trying to talk you out of it until your flesh becomes so consumed with those things that over time your mind becomes a willing accomplice, aligning itself, helping. You know, listen, I, 
I mean, do we even need to talk about, you know, our minds in overdrive and some of the crazy things that we've done to get what our flesh wanted? Some of the criminal things that we've done. Don't start confessing. I'm just saying, right? I mean, some of the most creative people I've ever, some of the most, you know, crazy stories I've ever heard have been people trying to, you know, satisfy the lust of their flesh. So, enmity between enmity within. When we're born again, this enmity is removed by the blood of Jesus. But there is a lingering enmity. Right? That still has to be dealt with. Yes. Oh, you just... Amen. Praise God. You're fine. Amen. I'm all, I got so many questions tonight, I'm kind of on trigger finger, right? Amen or me? Is this making sense to you? Okay. Now, last thing. And we'll elaborate more on this next week. This is where the dominant negative emotions began. The first thing they experienced when Adam and Eve sinned was what? Fear. Fear. I don't know if they knew to call it fear. Because they had never experienced fear. They just felt, I think, this strange emotion that they had never experienced before that was compelling them to run and hide, listen very carefully now, not just from God, they hid from one another and from God. It didn't just affect them in their vertical relationship with God, it affected them in their horizontal relationship with one another. They're hiding from one another and they're hiding from God, again, because now fear has entered in. Right? Dominant negative emotion. Guilt has entered in. Shame has entered in. Condemnation, insecurity, all of these things. None of these things were ever experienced by a human being until a human being sinned. Alright. So, we lost a lot when we lost that connection. And much of what we're dealing with now in the residual effect, not just of our lifetime, or the, or the time we lived, but, but Romans 1 says that it has had a cumulative effect over many generations now of, of brainwashing and thoughts and thinking and what have you. Yes? There you go, brother. Absolutely. We're actually going to look at blessing and cursing tonight in the, in the sermon. Yes, Jeff. You're on it, brother. It's in my sermon tonight. Matter of fact, what that very verse you're talking about. I think if you take it one step further, Chad, where are you? In other words, why have you abandoned your position? Right? He, he's supposed to be in charge of that garden. He comes to that garden. It'd be like if, if your boss puts you in charge and your boss shows up and you're you know, somewhere in the back room playing video games or something. Hey, dude, where are you? You know what's up, right? In other words, he wasn't at his post, if, if, if you can't. So yeah, in other words... He, God knows everything. He knew exactly where they were. They weren't hiding from Him. But hey, you know, Adam, where are you? You know, obviously, is a, is a good point. Amen. Oh, Father, you're good to us. We love you. I thank you, Father, for the things that you have uh, taught us tonight by your Holy Spirit, by your Holy Word. Thank you, Father, that you have, um, Lord, it's just a lot, but, but Jesus, you said the Holy Spirit would even bring things back to our remembrance and show us things that we haven't heard yet, even things that are to come. Father, I thank you tonight that, that, the picture is becoming clearer 
um, for a lot of people in this room than it's ever been before in their lives. And Father, I take great joy and great, 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 Lord, peace in, in knowing that. Um, Father, I uh, haven't done this in a few weeks, so let me just say thank you, Lord, not just for these men and women, but I thank you in advance for all of the men and women, these men and women, are going to impact in the future, Father, for your glory. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the time now that's next in the main service. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you all. Good things coming.